Welcome to the Have You Met Her Yet podcast. This podcast highlights the accomplishments, confronts the uncomfortable, and addresses our most fascinating questions about women in the workplace. Who they are, what they do, why you should know them. Join me, your host, Lindsay Dunn, each week as I interview a new influential woman in the workplace. It is my passion to share their incredible stories. You can expect real conversations, lessons, and stories from Canadian women who are thriving in their industries. Have You Met Her Yet is brought to you by Pink Crown Creative, a Canadian creative agency and community. In this week's episode, I speak with Anna Chan, who is a mom and the founder and CEO of My Momentum. My Momentum is a gamified wellness app that helps consumers and CPG brands discover each other one snack box at a time. I can't wait for you to meet Anna. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Anna. Thanks so much for coming today. Hi, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I would love it if you could share with us a little bit more about um, you know, who you are, what you do, and how you kind of got to where you are today in your career. Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Anna Chan. I'm the founder of a startup called My Momentum. Uh, we um, motivate a community of people to make healthy choices, and we reward them with uh, snack boxes. So these snack boxes are a great opportunity to try 15 independent uh, wellness brands, usually in the snacks or drink space. And uh, hopefully you can discover something great, tasty and fun that helps you on your journey and gives you momentum to a healthier lifestyle. And yeah, it's sort of my passion is really to help encourage and motivate people um, to think about their own wellness, but just everything to do with growth in general, a little bit with more empathy um, and incrementally. I think we often get caught up with Um, you know, a lot of pressure to like go for big results or um, that there's like a right way or like a should in our mind. And really at the end of the day, wellness and everything in general, like entrepreneurship, um, motherhood (laughs) is, you know, it's a long journey and um, there should be like some great celebration and, and a focus on like, you know, small choices or small steps that we can take along the way. And so with my momentum, I really wanted to bring that to the wellness industry that I thought there was actually like a really outdated conversation or the way that we're approaching our wellness, that it's still a number, that it's still about something to do with the way we look or a should or a have to, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we, we really want to have fun with it. We want to take it like, you know, day by day because it's a lifelong journey. Yeah, amazing. So where did that all come from? Where did the idea of the business come from? Maybe what did you do before this business started? If you can share a little bit more about what the journey looked like in the beginning? Yeah. Um, so really that whole inspiration came from um a time when I was living over in uh Shanghai. So um got there through an interesting journey of like through my lifelong sort of like travels. Um I was really interested in backpacking and adventure traveling. So kind of led me there, um, set up some roots there. I lived there for six years, but with all the pressure of like, you know, having to deliver results in a fast paced environment, I actually really burnt out and had to make like a big career decision, which involved actually leaving my career. Um, and, and just took the time for myself, took a year off 
And, and in that time, like, you know, I was just really unwell mentally, physically, um, like lost my sort of way as well with my wellness. Um, I had a lot of pressure on myself, obviously, to deliver results with my career um, and just decided to take that time off and find my momentum again, if you will. Um, and from that, I just noticed like things that I was doing um, didn't feel like what was out there, like, um, you know, apps that track your steps or like um, there was a lot of emphasis on calorie counting and macros. And honestly, all I just needed was a little bit of support from the community and to discover something really fun that like sparked some interest or excitement. Um, and a lot of it was to do with what I was putting in my body as well. And I was just turning 30, I think 31, 32, early 30s. And I was like a lot more conscious of what I was putting in my body. Um, and I just noticed like you don't have to make massive decisions or um, be super, super fit. Um, I became an, a fitness instructor too. And I, I noticed like this encouragement element um, was really big. And like what I needed was just like someone to let, cheer me on. And someone to suggest like healthy suggest like healthy alternatives, um, like to implement in my daily life that I, like things that I was already doing, but just to make incrementally better. And so that's kind of really what led me to create my momentum is to create that sort of space where we're suggesting healthy alternatives or, or small things you can do, whether it be through the bite size challenges in the app or the healthier snack alternative that you can still, you know, have that great snack, but it just ha happens to be a little bit healthier. But at the end of the day, there's this like great mindset aspect. And it, it is just something so simple as like, hey, I just need someone to like cheer me on. I need that connection to other people in that community. I just need to know that I'm not by myself here feeling this way. And so I think that's the biggest thing about my momentum that seems so subtle, but it's actually a really big piece of of everyone's wellness journey. And that's the big inspiration for me to, to create something like this. Amazing. Um, how did you get the business started? Did you have any help? Did you get any advice? Did you get any extra education or schooling? Um, any mentors, anyone that you kind of want, want to share or anything that kind of helped you launch your own business? Yeah, that was very scary. Um, as you know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners know as well. Um, I had this at the same time as like wanting to um, find my own momentum and lean into other people and encourage them through um, instructing fitness, um, had this burning urge to also create my own thing too. So um, it sort of all happened at the same time whilst I was like, had this burning urge to encourage others to define this new, find this new definition of wellness, I had this burning urge to create my own business because I was so unhappy with my other sort of path in my career. I think like also a lot of entrepreneurs very closeted, like I knew from an early stage, I wanted to create my own thing, but possibly like too scared or timing wasn't right. Um, the biggest barrier for me was a lot of self doubt, like, Oh, God, my idea must be stupid. Um, or it's already done, like, how could the world ever appreciate what I would put out or, you know, like all those kind of like self talk um, moments. But um, at the end of the day, I just I, I felt this burning urge was too great. And I just wanted to pursue it. So um, the timing worked out really well when I moved back to Vancouver as well. Um, so coming here, the scene is so rich. And like, you know, the startup scene and the entrepreneurship, um, um, 
sort of ecosystem is very, very um, active. Um, right away, I went into uh, Launch Academy Accelerator. Um, I think they kind of changed um, the way they work now, but at the time they really helped sort of incubate early ideas and educate as well, how you could get from, you know, MVP stage to more like a uh, ladder growth stage. So it was a lot of information at once, but I sort of plugged into the um, sort of local connections here, um, made some really great, um, you know, early connections right off the hop. So I was super lucky in that sense. Um, but also with luck, I made myself very available too. And I was just eyes wide open. Um, I think that helped a lot to be in sort of some sort of education program with Accelerator, but also meeting some really great connectors in the early stages as well. Um, but yeah, I did the first year by myself. Um, I happened to also be pregnant at the same time. So that was interesting. Um, and I think uh, a big part of help, helping like launch things the first year um, was meeting some amazing people that could help take the business a little bit further. And those would be like the, the, the founding team members I have today. Um, uh, one who's more in the technology side of things um, and um, the other who's contributed so much with you know anything to do with experience design and marketing so just having the right connections and the people to kind of lift your idea right from the beginning is so key and that was so key for me yeah getting a good team is really hard but it's amazing um, what they can help you with um, one thing that really sat with me of what you've been saying is the burning need to do something I'm so familiar with that as well as I'm sure many other people um, are, who are entrepreneurs or who felt a burning need to do something. Um, it's just something that gets so loud and then all of a sudden you have to act on it. So it's really cool, um, you know, that you had that experience and, you, you know, you kind of brought that to where uh, my momentum is today. Um, how did things change for you having your, your son? So, you know, you mentioned your first year you were pregnant. I mean, growing a business, having a baby, how did that change? How did you keep your momentum to want to continue? Um, you know, was that a time where you, you needed to build a team? Can you maybe share about how that um, kind of changed things for you? Yeah, yeah. Sort of like back to that burning urge. It's funny because I was like so pregnant with my idea. <laughs> and I was like so pregnant as well, literally. Um so that was really interesting um, parallel. Um, I was like near the ninth month. I'm like, get these things out. Just bring them <laughs> to life. <laughs> um, I actually didn't meet Raf and Celine, the two team members that I was talking about until a little bit later. Like we kind of met early stages, but never really started working together until literally my due date. So that was really wow. interesting. Um, so um actually the first like eight to 10 months was really challenging for me. Like I was, you know, just trying to get this thing off the ground um, really quickly learning where my limitations were. I had some amazing coaching on um, the strengths finder. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, and then also just understanding what my strengths were and appreciating them and not um, getting hung up on my weaknesses. So I had some really great coaching during that early initial stages of starting my momentum, which I'm so grateful for, because without that, I wouldn't have already like I wouldn't have identified that I needed that um, 
that help or that team faster than maybe somebody who had like, you know, product knowledge or a a wider array of skills. (laughs) I often find like us CEOs don't actually have a lot of skills. I I say that joking, half jokingly, but I mean, the greatest skill we have is, you know, not necessarily um, like, you know, broad or to do a lot of things. It's more to lead and to have that great vision and um, to navigate the unknown. But um, so yeah, actually really felt um, a dead end for me um, into month 10. And I, I really just determined, you know, I'm not going to be able to get this thing off the ground. So interestingly, I actually um, like gave up and hung up my shoes for my momentum right at the same time as uh, Celine, Raph and I had a coffee um, literally like a week before my due date thinking, um, I don't think I'll take this concept any further. Um, but they did come in and they're like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. And they really like brought it to life. And so when I let go of any expectations, literally hanging out my, you know, my shoes for the journey of my momentum, I truly let go of all those expectations, um, and release them. It was really interesting what actually came to life. And then like the next week I had my son and then (laughs) everything just went to kind of an abyss of unknown of true uncertainty where I had absolutely no control. Um, But I think letting that control go was so interesting. It was the first time in my life that I really had zero control of anything. And it was just amazing to see what was all coming to life and the pace that it was coming to life. So that was like really cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. Letting things go and then things kind of happening. Um, Because, you know, there is so many points of being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur where, you know, you can't stop but think about everything. And you're, you know, we, we talked about you being on vacation last week, and you can't kind of let those things go. But as soon as you let yourself relax, then the ideas come. And, you know, when you felt like my momentum was maybe, you know, done for this chapter, you're ready to close that all of these things kind of happen. So it's, it's a weird thing sometimes in the universe, if you just kind of trust, or I don't know, just not give it any more attention. I don't know, it just like comes knocking on your door again, if it's meant to be who, who knows. It's so true. And I, I like, I preach about this for wellness as well. Like, I'm like, you know, it's a journey, we have to trust the process. Um, but then when it when we flip it back to entrepreneurship, I even catch myself um, recently, um, like, you know, your grasp is just tighter, you're like, hoping for results, kind of like you might hope for results in, in your own wellness. And those are the moments where it gets sticky, it feels like, you know, um, you feel like you need greater control but it is that interesting like universal sort of serendipitous moment where when you do let control control go um those are really truly like the most authentic times um it's really challenging to do that obviously easier said than done but I've had like at least three instances that I can truly remember where I've literally just like either given up or let it go and be like, okay, I think this is the end of the road, no more expectations. And it's like, oh, this like deep aha moment. <laughs> like, you know, truly feel like definitely like I can't find a way forward. And then like this aha moment comes and you're like, wow, deep appreciation for the process, you know, just a reminder, like a really humbling moment that you don't control the process, but there's so many factors that are at play um, that we as either entrepreneurs or even in our own wellness journey, there's so many factors at play that we, you know, we can have greater trust in the process. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that you, you have an app, you also have your wellness boxes. Um, can you share a little bit about how you grew both of those and maybe some of the challenge and successes that you've seen from both of those um, initiatives in your business? Yes. Okay. So um, we launched the app uh, initially right away um, in 2019. We started building it in 2018. So we've always had this great intention to be a tech company, to have technology integrated at the core. Um, you know, we ran out of funding pretty early on. Like we've always been a bootstrap venture. Um, when I was uh, in my first year in 2017, my intention was always to be a funded venture. Uh, my background's actually in investments. Um, I also have a sales background. I really was working in startups for six years in, in Shanghai too. So I thought we would lift this thing right off the ground and then fund our technology. It didn't happen that way at all. Um, <laughs> so um, what I resorted to was sort of like more of an organic growth and bootstrap group, which is fantastic as well. And there's lots of great lessons learned through that. Um, so what happened was we had no more funding to invest in the technology. So we took like a bit of a sidestep pivot one, <laughs> right before the pandemic hit, we decided, Hey, let's give this some more breathing room. I also had about, um, I was, I had my son, he was about a year and a bit at the time. So I, I couldn't really fully dedicate full time to my momentum either. So I thought, well, why don't we give ourselves some breathing room and build the community up? So let's get more active. Let's get in, in the community. Let's, you know, do events. Um, it was a fantastic way to make some revenue on the side to fund our technology, but also to grow the community. That lasted all like two months and the pandemic hit. So I thought, well, oh my God, how are we going to move this to online now? And everything's not offline and who knows how long this will last. And so our swag bags from our events were so popular. It was like a little portal to get your, your goodies and, and great snack alternatives. So we flipped that to actually boxes during the pandemic. And that was a really interesting move. It really took off. And so we became known not as my momentum, the events or the app, but really just like these boxes. And so these things took a life of their own again, like, you know, trusting the process, you don't have control of what people <laughs> will like. Um, and the boxes were packed in my house. Initially, I ran all the inventory in my, my son's bedroom. Thank God his wow. clothes were really small <laughs> at the time. We packed all of the boxes in my house. I remember like I would put him down to sleep because it was too loud and too chaotic. And I put him down to sleep. And then um, when he was down for the night, um, I would actually pack a lot of the boxes. And in the beginning, we didn't know where these boxes would go. So we couldn't, you know, invest the money in delivery. We also wanted to make sure the highest quality was there. And that, you know, it was a great opportunity for us to move know our community more so I actually did all the deliveries of the boxes for the first almost 16 to 18 months <laughs> so that was really hard like I literally would be like mom by day kind of running my momentum and then like driver at night but what was really cool was during the first 12 weeks of lockdown was an amazing opportunity to build this deep connection with our community like I was often the only person they saw and I saw them and we got to know each other on a, on a level that was so special. I think to this day, I still think back and it was such a special moment to, to be able to know the community in that fashion. Um, and it's so unprecedented and hopefully won't happen again. Um, so it's, it's something that'll be held in, in, you know, in their time and also mine. Um, 
with memories of, of knowing each other during that time. And usually you don't get that with an app company or a typical box company. You'll get a delivery driver or an app company. You'll just get like an automated response. That was super special. Um, and that was like the first round of boxes. And then that sort of took a life of its own where we could like actually integrate the boxes with the app. Um, so that, you know, people could actually get these boxes if they were making healthy choices, they could get rewarded them. Um, at first, they were discounted boxes. Now they're free boxes where people actually just pay the shipping. And so as these boxes grew and grew, we moved them from office to office. We're like, we had them here. I'm at a WeWork. We had them here literally right beside us. Um, so they moved from my, my house to the office. And then we kept outgrowing all our offices. So we're like, oh, God, where are we going to put this product? But Selena and I joke because this product is like a hip extension. We were just like married to this, but we're stuck with it. Um, and synonymously to when my son started preschool, kind of like, you know, letting that sort of control go or like having that graduation of, you know, him being at home a lot and then going to preschool and someone else caring for him. Our boxes went to preschool too, and they went to a warehouse. So now they're at a warehouse. Yeah. Um, and now where we're at today is that integration with the app. So very much so, um, able to refund, like fund the development again, sorry, instead of refund, because refund seems weird to say. <laughs> so we're able to fund again, the technology, um, plus with the help of a small financing round, which I finally did. Um, after, you know, four years of bootstrapping, we brought on a few investors. Um, and that was wonderful, because they were able to really catapult the growth and bring the technology aspect back in. And now we're really focused on the marriage between the technology and the boxes, which I define as humanizing the digital experience. Like we all have digital experiences now. They're a very much part of our life. Technology is here. It's not going anywhere. If anything, it's, you know, being more prevalent and it's a wonderful thing. And so is a human element. A human element can never re be replaced. And I think that's what we showed when we like have these deep connections to our community, how we service our brands um, that partner with us to be in our boxes. And I think the next step of my momentum is really like continuing on that path of like, how can we continue to create amazing human experiences um, as we develop and scale with our technology? Oh, I love that so much. Um, the human experience, the human connection. Um, you know, I received one of your boxes early on in the pandemic and it was crazy to see that you were running around. And again, <laughs> true, true entrepreneur story, true entrepreneur story, you know, the founder being the person running everything and running around. Um, but one thing I, I really want to note about your boxes too is um, I feel like you really gave such a platform and a spotlight to local businesses because a lot of your products were and I assume are still local businesses and companies. And at a time when other people were struggling, it was so wonderful to feel like you were supporting local and supporting, you know, businesses that absolutely were struggling. There's no way people would have been able to sample their products or, or get in front of their new businesses. Um, so that was such a wonderful part of, of what you've done with your boxes too, is, is having that little extra touch of, you know, Receiving mail is always exciting, getting a personal touch and a friendly smile from someone um, and then getting that, you know, new and new introduction to a new business that you want to support locally, which was really, really cool. Yes. Yeah, that was like such a big passion 
of ours, like, and it still really is. We have all local brands in our boxes. We've slowly started to open it up to some independent brands in the US as well that we genuinely love too. Um, but I think like, you know, just to your point, um, and I hope you felt it too, like our whole thing is like, we hope that people open their box and can feel the love that we have in the box. Like Celine and I pack all the boxes. <laughs> we, we used to actually write a handwritten note and like talk about, you know, how much we hope they enjoy um, how, like discovering because that's how, what helped us on our journey as well, discovering all these brands and that, that they can continue to show the love to these brands that need their support. So yeah, 100%. Um, and we still operate on almost like 100% local as well. Um, and just starting to explore how we can help um, and, and open, like from a business perspective, open it up for ourselves too, but keep that like really like human, um, like local aspect to us. Cause that's like what we are so deeply passionate about. Yeah. That makes you unique and makes you stand out. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge thing. And again, in this world full of technology um, it's really, really easy to get lost in that. And it's, it's so wonderful that you add that personal touch. It's, it's important. I, I don't think that ever will go away of being something that's really important. Yeah, I agree. I think um, we're looking at looking for as people more and more now, especially like coming out of this pandemic, where um, we don't know exactly like who to trust anymore or like what's sprayed out there because everything starts to blend together um I think there was an element too like uh, I noticed a pattern for a couple of months there when we went through oh god I can't remember which wave it was like wave three or wave four um where we as people also really needed to have some control because there was so much lack of like there's so much uncertainty and then now I think what we're going through is um uh, sort of like, okay, well, now there's almost too much choice. Now there's like too much out there. There's too much of the same. Like, yeah, how do I yeah. differ differ differentiate what's great? Like what's great quality? And then like from a company perspective, uh, from a business perspective, it's like, how do I be great? How can I be great and stand out? And I think an idea is an idea and all these ideas are innovative, but being great is like being your truest self like being so unique, being bold to be yourself. Um, and I think the brands that are being, or like the brands and the companies, it's back to when brands first emerged. Right. Like the ones that are really great are the ones that aren't afraid to show their faces and do something super, super human, whether it be like, yeah. you know, sharing a vulnerable story or sharing who they are behind the brand. Um, but there's gotta be something, you know, there's gotta be something that's gonna lead them to greatness. Cause right now there's just too many there's so many options um so yeah. yeah that's kind of my take on on yeah that human aspect human aspect can be whatever human is in you right as 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 you um uh yeah from the brand's perspective too like as you create your company or as you explore which brands you feel you want to choose now that we have so much choice <laughs> yeah absolutely um this year for International Women's Day, we I, I led a panel that you were on about, you know, bias in the workplace. You know, you're a female founder. You've told me you're going through funding right now. That scares me so much to hear. <laughs> I felt like I could do it, but I would love to learn about your experience. Um, you know, how have you gotten, you know, the courage and the motivation to to fund yourself, to speak for yourself? 
And maybe if you can, can share a little bit about maybe some of the biases and maybe some of the things that you might notice as a female founder looking for money and looking to grow your business in this tech world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hundred um, percent. This topic I love. So thanks for asking that question. And as you're being scared as all, I'm also secretly like dying inside. Oh my God. <laughs> Why so are we crazy. like this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I think it's so interesting, this whole topic um, of fundraising and like, you know, my own relationship with uh, fundraising and the need for capital, like, which started off as like, yay, fundraising, I'm going to go in a bit naive, like, I've got the background, I think I can just, you know, fundraise and then like launch this company. Um, I, I, I didn't actually, it never dawned on me, like the nuances of fundraising as a female founder, and, um, you know, uh, the added complexity of a of, of like a pregnant female founder <laughs> who's about to embark on motherhood. So my first taste of raising capital was um, went from like, woo, eyes wide open, a little bit of like naivety to like, oh my God, I've got the sourest taste of, in my mouth. Um, and right. I don't even want to look at capital anymore because mm -hmm. I'm so like jaded from my experience. Um, and so I think that was almost like, <laughs> like whiplash, like, um, you know, falling somewhere in the middle of the spectrum is more typical for founders. Like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching some challenges. Like, can I overcome this? Especially for female founders too. Um, but the statistics are against us, like less than 3% of female founded ventures ever get funded. And wow. that's so low to begin less with. Less than um, three. That's wild. It's wild. And I, I think that's, um, I can't remember if that's a statistic already in technology or if it's even lower. And then I, yeah. I know there's an added complexity if you're a female founder of diversity. Sadly, that's right. true. And never mind, like, you know, here's like a six month old, a six month pregnant person pitching. And I know that shouldn't be the case, but it just is like, yeah. that's the reality I'm pitching and I'm trying to be proud about it. But I know deep down inside, like I'm going to get the eyes and, and the questions. And right. I did get the question. I got it in 2017. I had it said straight to my face. When you're a mother in like three more months, are you actually going to be serious about your business? Like that just put oh. me on my back. <laughs> And I wow. was so, so upset about that. So I went through an, uh, a couple of years where I was like, you know, I'm not even entertaining the idea of fundraising. Like I was just like, you know, I'm going to figure this out myself. I think what was great about that was you get to revenue a lot faster, which is like a really, really challenging part of startup. You know, there's a lot of startups, especially in the technology space that just get funded for the first few, you know, you go through your pre-seed, your seed round, and then you might go through series A, you might still not be monetizing. Um, and that's challenging on its own too. Like, don't think the grass is greener on the other side. But right. what happened with us was because we ran out of cash and we had to bootstrap and we got a little bit of great funding in the early stages from like great resources like Futurepreneur and BDC that are like amazing sources of debt that are like, you know, founder friendly and startup friendly. Um, once that sort of like ran out, we had to really... Um, be nifty and like think on our feet on how we can monetize. And right. I think eventually you have to get to monetization, right? You have to get to profitability. So I think we, we flushed that out earlier than maybe other startups would have, especially in the technology space. Um, but that said too, 
Um, sometimes, and I often speak about this too internally too with my team is the need to monetize takes you down a different path that you might not have wanted to go down. That might be like a really big sidestep that might delay where like getting to value. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit contrary to what uh, a, a typical startup will want to do is get to value faster, like that fail fast model. Right. So you're kind of delaying the inevitable. So you never really know if you failed or you haven't failed because you're just delaying it, right? <laughs> um, but you're still keeping the doors open and you're still getting money in. So it's been a really interesting journey. Um, but what I've learned in like recent um, uh, 18 months, especially after my first round of financing with investors this time with friends and family when I felt much more ready, um, is there is a time and place for capital that it's not the enemy. <laughs> that is a good thing. And that women can get funded, that it's challenging. It's going to be harder for us and that we're going to need more support, that we should get that support. But if we get it all, like we get the support and we embrace it and we, we're up for the challenge, having capital for a business is absolutely incredible. It can catapult your business. Like we were able to 2X our users, 2X our, two or 3X our revenue, um, get to a much um, better state with our technology, even just with a, a $100,000. Like we didn't need to raise a lot, but going through that fundraising process is scary. It's like, it's, it's an emotional, um, it's a lot of emotions and maybe it's felt more for women. Um, but there it's a great thing as well. And it's a balance to be able to take that challenge. So yes, while I'm like sitting here, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I think I'm, I'm a bit more prepared this time and I have a little bit better of a mindset going into it. Yeah, that, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, do you find that you feel confident going into funding because of your background or do you have like allies or mentors kind of assisting you with that knowledge? Yeah, I think, um, great question. Like I definitely have a background, like a good solid understanding of investments in general. Um, and I have a sales background, which I think selling and I have like, for anyone that listened to the audio version, you can't see me doing my quotes. <laughs> like, they say sort of like raising from raising capital is sort of like, you know, um, quite a, a, a like, there's a sales pipeline involved in that there's a selling approach. I, I feel like I never really felt confident just knowing that I have both background, like that wasn't enough for me to feel confident in the early stages. Like I look back to when we did our first round of financing, I just felt so unsupported. I felt so like plagued with self doubt that like it, despite my knowledge in these two areas, I still didn't feel like super, super confident. Luckily I had a great network and the investors we brought on were fantastic. And they're just like, so supportive and they're the right investors to bring on in the first round. Um, But we did such a small round and I didn't feel confident enough to open it up in a big way. Um, I think that self-doubt and like, you know, just the lack of confidence, but also the support to have more strategy around your whole fundraising and also strategy around your whole business before you go and approach fundraising is the part that no one really talks about enough. And so this time around, 
instead of just diving in and saying, hey, like, um, I think we need to fundraise at some point soon. I think we'll need a capital injection. I, I would rather pause and take a good, objective, solid look at the business. And so I reached out to two key people that are in my support network right now. First and foremost, as a personal coach, um, just someone to like, just, you know, hey, once a month, at least I can just have an hour to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and to talk about what I might not be doing well, or, you know, right. like to instill that confidence, but just to get it out and have that personal support and not have that judgment or whatever. The second key person was just someone who's really objective, but aligned as well um, to poke holes at your business, to call it out, to call your business out because you might not want to do that. And you yeah. might have those blinders on and you might think your business is just the most amazing thing. And often it is, but it needs, it needs work. Um, it needs to be ready, you know? Um, and then where are those best uses for capital? So um, I did all of that and now I'm just starting to explore the capital um, and what it looks like. Cause capital also can look like so many different things. And that's where we're also not a hundred percent, you know, um, yeah, visible on in this um, sort of ecosystem, like we always think it needs to look one way, or maybe there, you know, it can look in, in many different ways. And it and it has to suit you as a venture too. It, it, it you know, your uniqueness as a venture. And so that's where uh, I'm at right now is sort of, um, you know, having that support network earlier on this time, flushing those things out earlier, flushing out the emotions earlier this time. Uh, rather than being a bit of a basket case during, I was like a bit of a basket case before. And then like, <laughs> as I was thinking about them all, then I went on holidays and then like flushed all that out and then came back and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm good. Um, but, you know, now we're just exploring, okay, what could this capital look like? Um, it doesn't have to look like a certain way. So let's just be like a little more open-minded as we explore which that was not the approach I took last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it definitely seems like you've learned a lot through, you know, doing it once and then now preparing to do it again. Um, I really love that you haven't shied away with sharing your emotions. I mean, how could this not be an emotional experience? Um, I am happy that you are finding people that help you and, and are giving you that space and giving you um, that perspective as well. Um, because I, I can guarantee there aren't a lot of founders that can feel like they're allowed to be vulnerable and that they're, mm. they feel like they can be emotional. Um, you know, it, we've been ingrained in this society that you have to be this like very tight, stiff upper lip type person. Don't show your emotions. Don't you dare cry, especially as a female. Um, but I think it just, again, it's humanizing you. It makes you a real person. Um, you know, I really hope that those are the things that will shine and, and, and continue to make you successful. Um, because it is something that, um, I, again, it, it, it's something that just grounds you as, as a person and as a business owner and hopes, and hopefully it makes you more relatable as well. And I, I really hope that things, you know, change in the business world that you are able to share your emotions and, and feel vulnerable. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up and, and, and addressing that and, and, you know, just, yeah, um, like complimenting on that, because I, I do agree, like, it's interesting, I actually started my journey on very early stages on the investor side as well over the last year. So 2021 was not about raising capital for me, but 
Um, where I eventually want to be is nurturing the startup ecosystem and other female founders, and not just female founders, just founders in general, and hopefully one day giving back through investments um, of my own. And so what's what was really interesting is just that it's like, I, it dawned on me too, like, uh, as I went to Mexico um, a week and a half ago, I had this really big weight on my chest and I just felt like I don't have the answers. Oh, I don't have the answers. Um, and I just had this like massive pressure that I needed the answers. And um, then I went into the trip and I'm like, oh, I just got to release this. And I just had a couple great cries and like, you know, mm. just, and, and it's just not talked about enough because if we don't have the answers as CEOs and founders of our companies, then, oh my gosh, we are not um, capable. And yep. especially if we're a female, I feel like that pressure is even more because like, uh, I don't know why, but it just becomes felt even more like, oh, how dare we not like let on that we like could be emotional and not have the answers. Oh my God, the world's going to blow <laughs> up and your, your company is going to fail now because you're awful. You know, that's like, yeah. that's kind of like how I feel. And like, um, it's so interesting because as an investor, what I was so attracted to was a founder that was so vulnerable, that would share right. and is coachable. And yes. the ones that I wasn't attracted to was the ones that would just put up a great front. And I was like, I want to dig into this a bit more, mm. but they wouldn't let me. And mm. so I think what was what what's what's this interesting gap right now that I see is is that founder investor relationship is not so much of a human relationship back to the humanization of things like it's it's the traditional sort of like transactional relationship and i get it we're talking about a deal flow we're talking about trust and money um and i worked in investments before where on the brokerage side where like you know people would people would invest in us and as a broker we're ingrained in you know to take care of your money and we're there's that high level of trust, but at the end of the day, it's all around trust and trust is a human thing. Like trust comes from human emotions and, and, and conversations. And so I don't think that's any different in our ecosystem at all running businesses. And yet we're not allowed, like, I feel like no one said we're not no. allowed to, but I feel like we're not allowed <laughs> it's to taboo. show. It's taboo, but how do you build yeah. trust then? Like yeah. for me, I'm like, how do you build trust? And so Yes, there's aspects that you probably don't want to share, like you don't want to dump your emotions in a you know, like a messy way. But I think there has to be a level of sharing. Um, yeah. And I think there is that distance created um, currently still between investors and founders. And it probably restricts the way we do deal flow. And I'm still new to that side of things on the investor side. But it is really interesting seeing how those engagements are happening and that that distance still is created, especially for female founders with investors. Right. Um, I honestly can't stop thinking about, you know, during this conversation, how, you know, just from a psychological level, if someone is not expressing their feelings and doing things in a healthy way, I mean, they, they typically would not look like an ideal candidate. I mean, for example, at the moment, if, if someone is trying to buy a house, you know, they have these stress tests that are all coming up. And if you can't properly, you know, deal with your emotions and your psyche, it, it should be something that would just make sense of, you know, if you're able to be emotional, great, you can be a good candidate, you can ask for help, you can do this. So it's weird that 
it's not traditionally like that, that we want someone who doesn't share emotions. When you really think about it, is that really the best business decision where someone might blow up and have a mental breakdown? a mental breakdown in 20 years, right? <laughs> yes, like it's so odd. I find exactly the same, you know, that's a great analogy, I think. Like, you know, you never know, they might be buttoned up inside and hold it all together. And then the, the fundraising set and then they're just having these like real whole, holy shit moments. And yeah. then like, you never know, like six months down the line, they burn out. And like, I'd rather have that be uh, told up front, like, hey, I'm really, I'm really stressed right now, or I'm really like feeling the pressure to have the answers. Um, and it's such a hard thing to share. It seems so simple. Like you and I are mm-hmm. talking about it right now, but you go through it and you're like, suddenly just like, like, I feel it. I'm like, oh, taboo. And even like as leaders sharing with your team, how much to share, like, oh, oh, how could we as leaders not have all the answers like I've recently through amazing coaching started sharing a lot more and it's just like opened up such an incredible level of trust like back to trust like um I never in my wildest imagination would have thought how this could contribute to building even more trust and um camadre and like synergies in my team but I'm noticing it with me and my founding team it's just me sharing the sheer fact that secrets out cats out of the bag I don't really know what I'm doing half the time <laughs> but I'm just the one with like brave enough with the flashlight to be like oh guys uh I think we can go here oh no we'll retreat oh not that way <laughs> oh rocks are falling oh oh are they diamonds <laughs> oh let's sell them you know like that's kind of the analogy I use all the time but actually you guys are the ones that know what you're doing and you have great skills and expertise and um, deep knowledge in your respective areas and that you guys actually have the answers and I want to cultivate that and let me share that I don't have the answers but even as leaders never mind just founders with investors like we have this like pressure or taboo that we can't even tell our teams that we don't know <laughs> what we're doing yeah. so, um, so that's been really interesting journey for me the past couple of months really embracing that aspect too and like a deeper level of vulnerability Yeah, absolutely. I always believe in, you know, again, being a human, you're not a robot sharing. It's worked wonders for myself and my community as well. And within my team, Um, sharing, going through hard times, Um, just again, so your team members don't feel alone and that they feel like they're that you can be approachable, I think is is one of um, the easiest way to to get that trust and and get that, um, that loyalty as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. So what's coming um, for my momentum in the next year? What are some things that you're excited to be working on or maybe some hopes and dreams that you hope for your company? Yeah. So yeah, super exciting things happening in the works for us. Um, I mean, a big focus for us over the last like couple of months has been really like identifying what are the key best opportunities and like, um, streamlining the business um I think often especially in startup phases you're kind of like um what's sticking especially in that product market fit stage which we are just almost on the verge of finding but still not quite there um and product market fit takes such a long time like on average like two three years to find um and I think what we want to do is streamline everything so that we're more focused. And so that's what we've been spending a lot of our effort on. And then 
evaluating the opportunities. So for me, traditionally, it's been really hard to say no, like I'm like a yes person. And so I've been really learning how to say no. And so with that, we've been saying no to a lot of potential opportunities and, and like saving our yes for the one. And so I think the yes that we, we have, which will hopefully catapult into some growth would be saying yes more to technology, um, saying yes to scale and less manual stuff. Um, so that'll still involve keeping our boxes um, and a greater emphasis in our app and the technology and how we really merge that together as one experience. So, um, so I'm not sure when this podcast will be out, but um, something that we're working on is actually called the Snack Finder. We're going to start introducing it in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's something that our community has asked for a lot and we get private messages all the time like hey Anna I really love this snack and I don't know where to find it Um, yeah and it's just like you know something so simple but like no one has the time to google and half the time the stores aren't updated on brands' websites and things like that because they have they, they can't update that data Um, as fast as they're growing. Um, And so what we want to do is to have an aspect of that in the app is just, hey, Lindsay, you really like this snack, you tried it, or I'm just looking for other gluten-free snack options. And then you get some really great suggestions based on what you already like. Um, So that's for the users on our app. And then for brands equally, like how to get more discovered through through that method. Like um, how do I drive, um, you know, traffic to the retail partnerships that I have? And so um, for us, like growth and what we want to achieve in the coming years is always going to be win-win synergies. Like um, hopefully, you know, users are getting the most benefit and the community members are getting the most benefit from our app. Um, But also our brand partnerships are also growing and, and that we grow as a byproduct too. So to me, that's the biggest thing is that we're able to grow through win-win and we're all able to get that momentum. So we're very much yeah tech focused, um, creating more win-win synergies in how we monetize, um, and looking to grow and scale. So growing um, extent uh, extension beyond Western Canada, so into Eastern Canada, um, scaling up our boxes a bit more. Um, obviously, scaling our tech in a really big way, um, and then opening the doors sometime down the line to the U.S. I'm not sure, um, <laughs> and just keep keep drilling in that human experience as we grow like we're we're deeping it we're not removing it we're not um shying away from it we're actually like leaning into it a lot um as we grow amazing well so many exciting things coming up for you i I can't wait to see them all unfold um so we're just going to kind of end with a few speed questions for you just to get to know you a little bit better um so feel free to just share whatever comes to mind don't don't think too hard about it. Okay. Um, so what talent would you most like to have that you do not have? Oh, fly. Fly. Ooh, that's a great <laughs> one. <laughs> um, what is your greatest extravagance? Oh, extravagance. How do you mean? Like um, so what is something that maybe you spend a lot of money on that you you like really like to indulge in? Oh, self-care, massage. I could go for massage every day. Oh, me too. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is the worst advice you've ever been given? Um, Anything to do with, oh, it should be this way, da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, no. Like, 
I don't want to listen to that advice at all. Or, oh, this is how someone else does it. Or this is like, oh, yeah, I can feel that cringe. I can feel that cringe right now. Um, What is something you want to learn more about? Um, I'm always intrigued by like um, anything to do with individualism, like, like, you know, or um, how teams work together because of their great individualism. So I'm, I'm reading books on that right now, like teamwork and teamwork and how each person so uniquely different and how that like comes together. Very cool. What is your favorite rainy day movie? Oh, oh God. I don't even have one rainy day movie. I just like, like search on Netflix for something new all the time. <laughs> oh, well, it's not a movie, but anything reality TV. Okay. I'm terrible. I just like reality TV. <laughs> any, any favorites you have? Um, oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> the worse it really is, the better. Yeah, the better. The trash, the trashier, the better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Selling oh. sunset. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love is blind <laughs> love is blind is great yes love it um what is one quality that you most love about yourself um I find that I'm very present when I'm happy I can be like so so deeply present I see that in my son as well um oh, also, that's great. okay we asked for one but I'm gonna give you two I am like an internal positive energetic person I think I can really I like I pride myself on being able to inject energy in anything and I love doing that so I love that more energy um who are three people you would like to have at a dinner party oh (laughs) um oh my god that's a hard question um it's a tough one (laughs) Um, Michelle Obama, um, <laughs> Oprah, <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love someone, it. Someone yeah. funny as well. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy <funny>. Fallon. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. Perfect. Um, and how would you like to be remembered? Um, I think definitely for, um, being able to encourage somebody or, um, you know, um, contributing to their, their life, um, through some sort of positive way, um, inspiring them through not like a massive way, but just like, yeah, a word of encouragement or I left, left a mark that way. Something super small. Oh, I love that so much. And what's your favorite thing about being a woman? Oh my gosh, everything. Motherhood. <laughs> the fact that we can birth these tiny things and they grow up to these big things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that we as women have the ability to do that. And it's like so transformative. It's so odd. Like the physiological aspects of it is like absolutely mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Is there anything that you want to leave our community with today? 
No, um, thank you so much, Lindsay. This was so much fun. I mean, definitely please check out my momentum. We're available on iOS and Android. It's such a fun app for you guys to just stay in touch with your wellness, but also to get motivation as well and join our community on Instagram at it's my momentum. Um, please reach out to me if you're a founder, um, if you are thinking about startup at all as well. Um, you know, want to hear a story, um, want to hear the real truth about startup <laughs> and, um, you know, all the great things and the challenges. Like I'm always willing to share my story. Um, and yeah, I mean, really just reach out to me. I love like connecting people as well. Um, so if there's anyone that needs help along their journey, um, whether it be wellness, entrepreneurship or, or motherhood or anything, um, I mean, I don't have the answers. I'm, I'm more <laughs> open to saying that I do not have the answers. <laughs> but I have great stories. And if it helps to inspire you in the tiniest way, like that, that would make my day. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks, Anna. We appreciate you sharing your story today. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it too. These small actions truly made the world to a small business owner like myself. You can also stay up to date with the latest podcast releases, behind the scenes, and insider info about each guest by following us on Instagram. If you are interested in being a guest or learning more about our sponsorship and partnership opportunities, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. It truly means the world. We wish you a wonderful week and hope that it is filled with creativity and love.